reached your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! Hey, how you doing? Welcome everybody. It's Harmonic Headspace. This is the icing to your weekend cake. Uh, I'm here. This is Prosty, and we got Astro with us. What's going on, folks? Thanks for tuning in for our inaugural show. So this is our first show. Uh, Harmonic Headspace is a show that uh, we decided to do, and it's, uh, it's the two the two words: Harmonic Headspace. Right? Harmonic is the music side, uh, and I think that's a little bit more where I come in, where we talk about from a musician's perspective you know, how bands do what they do, what, what instruments they use, what keys they're in, and uh, kind of breaking down the songs, and then... Yeah, and I'm here from a fan's perspective. Um, I don't have the technical understanding of the music as much as Josh does, but I certainly have an appreciation and a little bit of uh, knowledge of some, you know, music history, which I uh, would love to share. A, and a little some, bit? Some, some, and some conversations about that. <laughs> a little bit. So uh, when, I, when I was talking about doing the show uh, with, the, with the guys, I was in here a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, as a guest, and, and we were talking about oh, maybe, no, maybe Prosty would like to do his own show. And uh, I was thinking about who the people, out of all my years of like, loving music, I would want to be in here. And, and Astro was the first person I thought of because... He's he's being modest right now. He has a vast, like crazy, amount of knowledge in like anything Gen X, right? So we've been going to shows for almost thirty years. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So we met in ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah. Ninety three. Ninety four. Yeah. And uh, in college, we we hung out with a bunch of guys who had this connection. It was music. And we've been going to shows. We've we've probably gone to dozens of shows. Yeah, together. I would agree. Yeah. So you know we've been doing this together for a long time over like late night drinks and whatnot and uh, doing lists, right? So that that's actually what what tonight is about, right? This is our debut show, and we were we were trying to figure out you know what we want to do for a debut show. Yeah, and you know, being a debut show, we thought, why not take a look at debut songs from artists that we respect that have had debuts during our lifetime. Now, Josh is a couple years older than me, so we stretch back to 1973 here. Oof. Uh, <laughs> but I think uh, I think we have some really good songs for you guys, uh, starting with a, a great song from uh, a classic uh, Hall of Fame local band named Aerosmith. Right, and so what we're doing tonight is it's the debut show. This show is about the debut songs for great bands, right? The first song off the first album for great bands. And uh, as, as Astro says, we're going to kick it off with uh, uh, Make It by Aerosmith. And now I have to <laughs> get into that. Let me see if I can make it work. Make it 
everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Wave Radio Boston. This is Harmonic Headspace with our debut show. We just heard three songs from three great local acts. A couple of them are pretty famous. You've probably heard of Aerosmith and the Cars. The other is uh, the Jack Prost Band. What and do you mean? No one's heard of me? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not as, as, as Now, there's uh, at least four as, people who know my music. Yeah, I'm sure there are. But I think, you know, this was really good to have this first segment be based on local acts because one of the big things we want to have here at Harmonic Headspace is a focus not on popular national music, but also uh, the, the local scene. And uh, Josh is very much plugged in here, as is everybody else uh, at the station. So, Josh, why don't you uh, give us a little insight in uh, what your plans are here? Yeah, so, I mean, Boston's always been a hub for music, right? I mean... Um, you, you look at the cities who, who bring a rock into the, the world, and Boston's always been one of them. Um, and it it's still has kick-ass music. It's just this COVID thing that has been sucking the life out of musicians and, and our, our ability to go out and gig and, and get out there and, and, and play to, you know, a bar, you know, 15 people. I mean, that would be great, you know. Um, but it's, we can't do that. But there's still music out there. Like I was here last week and we saw this band Twig and uh, they, they played a, a show uh, next door on the stage and they were freaking amazing, right? And, and uh, the, on uh, Pete and John Anthony's show on Tuesday nights, uh, the first wave, they, they have bands booked like for weeks, months. Uh, and they, every band that comes in, it just is mind blowing. It's it's awesome. So although the Boston scene, it I, I like to say the Boston scene is unseen right now. The music scene is unseen because of COVID. But we want to be the uh, an outlet like a, a plug-in for the local musicians to come and and get their message out there, get their story out there, p- allow people to hear their music, whether it's live next door or just sitting in the studio and and uh, you know playing their studio stuff. So, um, actually, if you want to hear your original music on Wave Radio Boston, you can email us at media at waveradioboston.com. With a song or two, tell us a little, about it, uh, a little bit about yourself. We'll get back to you about profiling your music. Um, and that's, it's as easy as that. And then you will, you know, assuming that your, your songs are actual real songs, <laughs> you know, um, We'll, we'll play your stuff, and it's now out there. You know, people uh, around the world can hear it, and I think that's really cool. Join the real radio revolution and say FU to FM with Wave Radio Boston. Isn't that cool? I love that. <laughs> that is cool. So uh, we have some text coming in. Uh, we got uh, Michael saying, listening now, kick-ass boys, have a good show. Thank you. It's good to have people uh, kind of supporting us on our first show. Uh, someone says, play Dave Fowler's tune. Uh, I we would have love Dave Fowler's t- tune? Uh, I don't... And I, why does he only have one tune? What's that? Why does he only have one tune? He, he just, he just uh, recorded it with some crazy producer who is famous, and uh, he did this it with, in uh, Connecticut. With you and Fowler, you young kids, you have a future. Yeah. You really do. <laughs> got to get you in there and get those songs recorded. Well, I think he's going to call in and talk about it because he's got a really interesting and cool story about his uh, producer. Well, I haven't heard it yet, and I'm very much interested, so I can't wait for that. Uh, you have heard it. It's one of our songs. Okay. It's well, one of the songs we played back in suspense, in... please. Okay, I won't. Right, good. Okay. Yes. Um, 
And then uh, we have another text. Scotty, what's the name of the album? And is there more music dropping soon? Uh, oh, you know what? That wasn't from tonight. It's not so for you. You, just, just, you know Scotty. Like, he hasn't texted yet. <laughs> We're still learning all this uh, technology, <laughs> the internet. Um, all right, so you want to jump into the next uh, well, Let's get some songs? music going here, right? This is a radio station. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, actually, before we go in, uh, let's talk about how people can contact us, right? Yeah, so you can call in at 617-829-9283, which is WAVE, for you people with old rotary dials. And you can also text at 617-764-9283, also WAVE, as convenient as that is. So please reach out, let us know what you're listening, what you want to talk about. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook as well, Wave Radio Boston Rocks. So, without further ado. Yeah, this next group of songs uh, are debuts from bands, huge bands from uh, across the pond.
your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! Hey listeners, so uh, that was a block of debut songs from bands in uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, obviously U2 is from Ireland. Um, you know, great tune, kicked off an awesome career for them. Uh, but the next two are really the ones I want to talk about a little bit because there's a bit of a theme here that we see frequently with bands in the UK. Um, you know, first album by The Clash was called The Clash, Both Sides of the Pond. But in the UK, it came out a year ahead of the US and it had a different track listing. So Janie Jones is actually the first track on the UK album. When it was released in the US, it was actually Clash City Rockers. Were there different songs on the album too? Uh, quite a few different songs actually. Really? Like one of them has Protex Blue, a couple other songs on there that they don't have. And this isn't a new thing. I mean, you go back to the Beatles, um, Rubber Soul is almost in, not entirely different, but there's a significant difference in, in, the, in the songs that are on the albums from the UK and the, and the US versions. And this has been a theme that's gone on for years. And it, it has usually to do with the fact that there were singles that were released and they, you know, they, they put the singles on the U.S. versions that came out after the U.K. versions. Uh, and it was similarly with the U.K. Uh, pressing of uh, Three Imaginary Boys, which is the Cure's debut album. This one's even crazier because Three Imaginary Boys didn't even come out in the U.S. until, like, the 2000s. I had no idea. In, in the U.S. and in Canada, their first album was called Boys Don't Cry, which is very similar to Three Imaginary Boys. But, you know, again, similar to The Clash, a lot of different songs on there. So we played the UK first song off of Three Imaginary Boys, 10, 15, Saturday night. If we went in and did Boys Don't Cry, it would have been Jumping Someone Else's Train. Great song as well. But if we're talking true debuts, nice. that was a year later. Nice, I like that. So we'll, we'll, awesome. we'll dive into that a little bit more uh, in other shows, the differences between US and UK pressings and other stuff from you know different track lists from uh, different releases around the world. But I just wanted to touch on that since we were you know, hitting a couple songs from uh, UK bands. Nice. All right, I got something about you too. So obviously they're one of the most iconic bands in rock ever, right? Um, Joshua Tree is looked at as one of the greatest albums ever. Um, but yeah. not their greatest. Not their greatest? What's their greatest? Octoon Baby. Really? Oh yeah, they brought it. They tore it down and they brought it back up. They they did. Joshua they, Tree was the end of a thread. Yeah, I mean, they did definitely get more into more electronic stuff. And Experimental. Yeah, yeah. But I, I still think Joshua Trees is the best. I mean, when the streets have no, where the streets have no name, when that, when the music starts, or that song, it just goosebumps. I don't know if, if anyone else. The Edge Jangle. He's got that down, doesn't he? What's that? The Edge Jangle. Yeah, the Jangle. Yeah, the Jangle. It, it is a Jangle. Well, yeah, it's a very MTV friendly album. We'll leave it at that. Oh, totally. Yeah, it was actually uh, seeing you two at the Garden um, for the Elevation tour. Elevation tour, two thousand and two. I was there yeah. as well. Yeah, and they made a they made the DVD. Well, you, there. I, I know. And uh, what I love about that is probably my second favorite U two album of all time is mm -hmm. the album behind that tour, All That You Can't Leave Behind. That's a great album. Talk about a great album. Yeah. I mean, one that totally. falls a little bit closer to the mainstream, like Joshua Tree, but in my opinion, the songs are a little, I don't know, I guess they're obviously they're more mature because it was over a decade later, but I've always found them to be a little meatier art artistic-wise. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, 
you know, that, that's just me. I love that album. One of my album. favorite albums. Mm -hmm. Certainly one of my favorite U2 albums because I'm, I'm hit or miss with those guys. Mm -hmm. But I think those two albums I referenced, Octung Baby and All That You Can't Leave Behind, they're top tier stuff. Yeah, Octung Baby made me, they hooked me on U2, on right? So I knew who they were, you know, growing up because of their hits. Joshua Tree was the eye-opening thing that said, this band is for real. They're, they're one of the greatest ever. And then Octung Baby was kind of like, not only are we one of the greatest bands ever, but like you said, we can break it down and build it back up with something new, and and it's awesome. Yeah, and honestly, like you know, I'm not I'm not trying to disparage uh, Joshua Tree, even though it sounds like I am. But you know, my favorite songs off that album are the ones that are I'm not going to say unknown because everybody knows all those in songs. In God's but Country, so in God's Country, totally. Uh, the mine was it Red Mining Town, Red Hill Mining Town, Red, yeah, and uh, Bolt the Blue Sky kind of crossed Bolt over the Blue Sky to a bit of a hit, awesome. but that's probably my favorite U2 song. Oh yeah, I, it's definitely one of mine too. Uh, you know what? No Line on the Horizon is a really good album. Too. I couldn't get into it. I have it. I stopped getting new U2 albums after that one came out. Yeah, so it's uh, it doesn't have the or same the atomic hooks. bomb album that kind of sucked a bit too. Which one? The How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. I like that one as I well. I don't even know which of those two albums came out first. I know they were both heaping piles of shit from my <laughs> perspective. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they uh, they were just um, they they went off on a tangent. They weren't with they weren't doing their hooks anymore, but they maintained that deep U two sound with the edges of twangy thing, right? Mm. And they it was just more of the same. Right, but if you like well, you too, I think that's probably why it was a bit of a turnoff for totally, me. Totally, yeah. It was recycling all she can't leave behind many times over again without the songs and without the hooks. Oh, that's one way to say it. But another way to say it would be it's the band writing new songs with their sound. Yeah, with, you have with to give people like me love. No, no artist is going to be able to be as effective thirty years into their career as they were early on. And I, hey, man, I can't give them enough credit for being able to continue to pump out material that people care about and staying relevant. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of artists that have done that over the years. Uh, and U2 is definitely one of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, like, they're still going strong. I, I don't like their last couple albums, but if you talk to my wife, who's, like, the biggest U2 fan I know, she'll be like, oh, I saw them in 1983 can, can with wife? 14 people in a room. And Can we um, have your wife in here with some, some night to talk about Prince? Because I don't know enough about Prince, and she it would be the encyclopedia of Prince. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have her in for a U2 night and a, and a Prince night. Okay, I'll you. be there for the Prince night. Nice. Uh, you better be. You're, <laughs> you're the freaking host. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about uh, how people can contact us again. So uh, call... I, I, we, we're going to have someone call us in a little while, and I'm really excited about it. This is kind of a special surprise. We got some texts here, man. You see this? Uh, oh, wait. You have to push this. Somebody said we're good. I don't know who it yeah. was. Oh, there it is. Yep. All right. We got texts coming in. So you want to read them? Okay. So uh, we have 520 hertz. 528 megahertz is streets with no name. Is that is that like... I don't, I don't know. That's over my head. <laughs> it, I, I don't know. I understand either. My guess is probably like that is where the edges sound in the 528 megahertz um, mm. area that the sound of his guitar is. But uh, I'm not smart enough on that side. Uh, Metallica. Is that a cover band with all dudes named Matt in the band? What's that? <laughs> Metallica. Hey, this is that guy, Dave Fowler. 
Is he calling in? What's going on here? We have a... Uh, nope. Not yet. But we have uh, some other people saying, uh, so cool, debut songs, a debut show. Uh, that would be uh, my wife. Thank <laughs> you, honey. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's jump into the next, uh, the next uh, group of tunes. So this is where my, uh, my soul lives. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Here we go.
Hey gang, it's Pete from the First Wave on Wave Radio Boston. Be sure to check us out every Thursday from 8 to 11 Eastern. What can you expect? Well, to be honest, I don't really know from week to week. Sometimes it's a live band performing an all-electric set in our performance area. Other times it's a cast of characters, new and old. One thing's for certain, you'll hear a bunch of people who love great music playing songs from artists classic and breakout, national and local, because great music defies programming. So jump on board and help us say F you to FM on Wave Radio Boston.
All right, that was some grunge for you. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about this being my soul. So, you know, when I was just getting out of high school, right, the time where the youth is so, uh, what's the word? Impression wild. Impressionable, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, the 80s were done. Hair bands came through. They did what they did. Too much makeup. Not yeah. enough substance. Yeah, well, there's some good ones. But yeah. but then I heard this thing go, concrete. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And even flow, right? That was their first single off that album. And it was just like, it just kicked ass. And that started... Uh, I mean, people can talk about whether that really started or not because, you know, Soundgarden was out before that. Mother Love Bone was out before well, it's that. When it, it's when it became popular and mainstream. Like, yeah. everybody knew who Pearl Jam and Nirvana yeah. was once Pearl Jam came out. But before Pearl Jam came out, nobody really knew who Nirvana was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I heard of Soundgarden mostly because of the whole uh, Metallica, Soundgarden, Jethro Tull issue with the Grammy Awards. And Jethro Tull won uh, Best Heavy Metal Album for Crest of the Nave. In the late 80s, not heavy metal whatsoever. But I remember Soundgarden being wrapped up in that. I think they, and I think they went up against Metallica the next year or something. I don't know. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm getting my facts confused, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it exploded in basically 1991 is when, right. when grunge exploded. And, and Pearl Jam was the, the first ones who have, uh, who, who were on the charts, right? And mm -hmm. everybody knew them. Nirvana, they were there. Well, I mean, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is just yeah, it's a transcendent song. I mean, it's totally it, it's create it basically mm -hmm. put a stamp on the genre. Mm -hmm. So when I hear "Once" now, when that intro comes in, it's it's so meaningful because it's just not that it's not the song, right? Like we come from a time where we listen to albums and. Uh, we'll probably talk about this a lot about albums and what albums we love, but ten. You, when you hear that intro, it's like your brain gets ready. Yeah, I listened to it today, yeah. this afternoon before I and came you, over. And you have to listen to the whole thing. It, it, I only listened yeah. to half. I ran out of time. Okay, yeah. But, but the other half's on the platter for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. It's for the drive home. So it's like a, your, your brain gets ready to get in the zone and, and hear that story, the, the whole album of 10. And there's so many other great albums. Well, and like I also that. love how, like, the end of uh, the last song basically fades out Release. into the beginning of the second of oh, the first song. Yeah, so yeah, like that totally. constant CD loop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was uh, Pearl Jam once. Uh, we heard Nirvana Blue, uh, which we were talking about earlier, saying that you know that not a lot of people know that song, uh, but like when I hear it now, like it just gets me going. Oh, it just Bleach just has such a different vibe to it than Nevermind. Um, and I didn't honestly like the first time I heard Bleach, I wasn't really taken by it. But it's it's a it, you know it's, it sinks in. And you give totally. it enough sh shots, and there's definitely some songs in there that are like, wow, man, I can. You can see Kurt Cobain's genius prior to him breaking out. Um, just really writing inventive songs. And anytime you know, I'm I, I'm a sucker for three pieces. Yeah. You know, going all the way back to Cream and Rush. Um, you know, 
the, I love police. Reese's. Oh, the police. How could I forget the police? Mm-hmm. It's a shame we don't have the police on our show today because the first song on the first album kind of sucked. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we'll get to them at some point. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, so Primus. Blue, uh, you know, when you talk about Nirvana, I believe that they, the catalyst to Nirvana is Dave Grohl. Right. Well, let's, before let's, Dave Grohl, they were an awesome garage band in Seattle. Well, but also let's be realistic. Uh, Blue, you know, Bleacher, they were a four-piece band when that was recorded. They weren't a three-piece. Yeah. They had yeah. another guitarist who yep. I think was actually taken off the credits on subsequent releases of the album. Uh, but he was definitely played. And yeah, who knows? They may have taken his contributions off the record itself. But initially, when it was released in '89, it was they had another guitarist too. Yeah, yeah. But they they would not have been who they are if Dave Grohl didn't land, help them write that album, play the songs, and do the backup vocals? Yes, I, I agree. He, he, he helped put them over the top. Mm-hmm. And then let, when you listen not, back... Let's not over-inflate his contributions when you're talking about a band with Kurt Cobain. Well, I, I, I disagree. I think Dave Grohl is as much of a genius as Kurt Cobain, if not more. I think Kurt Cobain was just knew how he had a very short time period where he exploded and all his creativity came out and he was really emotional about everything and he could really put it into music and he was amazing at it. But Dave Grohl has, he's a genius musician, philanthropist, billionaire, playboy. (laughs) Cobain's flame burned too bright in that he's not the first and he won't be the last Dave Grohl is more of a slow burn. I wouldn't go as far as to call him a genius in anything except potentially marketing. But that said, Foo Fighters are up for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, and you don't get that honor if you haven't done something to deserve it. Right. And sometimes it's that, that flash in the pan of brilliance, and other times it's that longevity. And mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting to see those two bands comparing Nirvana and Foo Fighters. They are the opposite of each other in terms of flash of brilliance versus longevity and consistency. Um, you know, I'm not going to say who's better than the other. I think you probably have a preference and I probably have a preference and they're probably not the same, but that's okay. Right. So, uh, we have a caller here and I'm going to open the line. Uh, can you hear me, Mr. Fowler? Hello. What's up, boys? Hey, how are you? First caller? First caller. We need to get your, uh, your volume up a little bit though, I think. Yep. Hold on, Josh is working the board. I'm Keep sorry, talking. Proceeds working the board. I'm supposed to know his first name. Nice. Congratulations, boys, first of all. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Been a joy so far. Love the playlist. Thank you. Uh, we, we see that you sent us one of your... Actually, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your music and, uh, and, uh, and the song that we're going to play that is yours and your band's. All right, so uh, I don't want to bore you too much, but I'll give you a quick uh, background. So I met these guys, uh, Josh and, and Astro, Rich Astorino, back in, uh, what was it, 92, 93? Yeah, 93 for me. I think and, probably 92 uh, for Josh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, started really getting into music with you guys and uh, learned how to play guitar. Thank you to Josh uh, in a big part. And um, so. <laughs> Sorry, Prosty. No, that's okay. And uh you know, this song was written um back in around I'd say around ninety five, ninety six, somewhere in there. So it's been around for a long time. Um and while COVID has been kind of a downer as far as live music, 
it's actually allowed me to get in the studio and, and finally, you know, do some of these things. So, uh, good buddy of mine, Mark Searles, uh, been in a lot of bands and said, Hey man, we should go record some music and decided to, uh, give this one a whirl. Uh, actually the producer guy named Vic Steffens owns a great little studio in Connecticut. Uh, actually not far from where you grew up, Rich, uh, Astro, sorry. <laughs> where? Uh, in West Haven. Oh, okay. West, yeah, West Haven. Uh, it's called Horizon, uh, Music, or Horizon Studio. And, uh, Vic's been in the industry for a long time. I don't know a ton about him, but I know he's worked with some big, some big names, um, Greg Allman, Los Lobos, um, a couple other big ones, uh, over the years. And he's got a great story, um. Uh, I don't know all of the story, but I know he was at the first Woodstock. Um, I think we're going to have to have him on at some point here, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'll get him to call in. He's, he's got some pretty crazy stories. I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, fantastic producer. Really knows what he's doing. Um, so he helped us out a lot um, putting this together. Uh, went in about three times, you know, maybe six or eight hours total. And, uh, oh, by the way, that, uh, that megahertz thing that you guys were, uh, somebody texted in yeah, with the U2 song, apparently that's like the God, uh, sound it's called the God sound. It's like the perfect, um, sound like melodically that makes you feel great. It's the edge jangle, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys are genius, you know, and I think they, they either knew that or they, they figured it out. And that's part of the reason why I think that song's so great. But, uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so we, uh, we got this song now, you know, honestly, it, I don't know if it's radio ready, but you're probably going to play it anyway, which is great. But, uh, Hey Dave, can I ask a question? Know, Josh had a big part. Can I ask yeah. a question about this? So, so, uh, Prosty told me that, uh, you know, this was a song from back in the day. And I told him not to tell me which one it was. And uh, I'm just going to throw one guess out there, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. It's uh, Muzzy World. <laughs> Muzzy no. World. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll wait and see what it is then. No, no, no. That one is, uh, that, that will be soon to come, I think. You know, I'm still going in the studio and we're trying to get some more, uh, some more songs done. But um, no, if you guys want to play it, you'll, uh, I'm sure you'll recognize it, uh, Astro. And, um, again, you know, Prosty, big influence on this song, um, you know, big part in creating it. So that's off to you. And I uh, love your song, by the way, My Way. Fantastic. Thank you. Fit right in with the other Boston legends, didn't it? It, it sure did. I don't think anybody even noticed. <laughs> that was the plan. Like, oh, yeah. I know this song, man. So, Dave, tell us about Achilles and, uh, you know, the, so when we, when we wrote it back in 1989, yeah. uh, it was different. <laughs> it, uh, the bass line, thank you, is completely different. <laughs> it, and, uh, and he does a great job of, uh, you know, bringing in a different type of feeling bass to the song. And the song itself is like gives me kind of a Doobie Brothers feel, uh, you know. Uh, so tell me a little bit about like the influences and and the sounds that you're trying to go for before we play it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I tried to jazz it up a little bit more. Uh, you know, it's really I think a fusion to me of of a lot of different sounds. Um, you know, jazz, maybe a little bit of funk, 
and then uh, add it in this outro part. Yeah, <laughs> should be right up your alley. Um, added in this outro part, and I uh, had a great studio uh, vocalist named Simone. Uh, really added a lot on background vocals, uh, and then Vic himself, the producer, jumped on the Hammond V3 uh, to throw in some organ on top. So, kind of took it to another level. That's awesome. Uh, I thought you were going to say he jumped yeah. in with a tambourine like producers generally do, but he actually used a real instrument. <laughs> no cowbell. <laughs> a triangle. <laughs> nice. No, there's a couple of percussion instruments you, you might pick up in the background, but, um, you know, it's funny when you go in the studio, you sometimes have an idea in your mind, and, and what comes out is sometimes not at all what you had thought, you know, and usually in a good way. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think, what a great producer does. I totally agree. That's something I've learned over the past few years where my studio is my basement. I don't, I don't go into a studio and have, you know, someone professional with professional equipment record my stuff. I have, I have my own stuff in the basement, and I go in and I record it, and I mix it myself, and I, and I try to get the sound that I want. Um, and then I send it to a producer, and I've been doing that for you know, five years, and the the one thing now that I know is a producer is a, another guy in your band, and he's worth at least 1.5 people in the band. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, he they're so valuable. They, they A good one will take what you've done, make it sound like you wanted it to, and also bring it in a direction that you're happy with, and you would have never done. And so my, uh, all of my songs are like so much better now that they were produced by someone I trust. So um, yeah, I totally agree. And we're actually having a producer call us in a little bit and it's kind of a surprise, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, you know, the importance and the, you know, what a producer brings to a mix and so yeah i definitely hear that in yours in this where it was very different than how we did it before and probably how you guys played it and you can hear this influence of like something else with this hammond and uh it's awesome i uh, this song is just you've taken it to I, an amazing level man i love the sound of a b3 uh, i i can't wait to hear this dave me too. The first thing I saw when I walked in the studio was the Leslie cabinet. I'm like, oh, he's got to have a hammer too. <laughs> and I, you know, being a huge Allman Brothers fan, I mean, that, that sound, it fit this song perfectly. And, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, he, he doesn't normally do that, apparently. Like, he doesn't usually get involved. And he's a great musician. He played in a lot of fantastic local bands, you know, a long time ago. He's a little bit older than we are. Um, fantastic musician. I mean, he, I didn't even tell him chords or anything. He just figured everything out. And, um, everything he just did on his own instantly, like boom. And uh, like he'd been playing it forever. But uh, it sounds like another show for you guys potentially about uh, producers. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah, there, there's definitely going to be one of those. So I want to try to get Brian uh, well, listen, in here. I, I don't want to bore your listeners anymore. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And uh, if you do play it, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, this is great. Um, we, uh, you know, thanks for calling in. Please call in more often. Uh, and what's the, what's the name of the band, by the way? It doesn't say in this. Uh... Well, the the original band was, as you know, Common Senseless. Um, oh, right. You know, to be honest, we're we're not really uh, a defined band at this point. 
Wow, this um, is like this but, is like when we got the Sublime mixtape with it, <laughs> everything crossed out and it was like out of Doug Bard's pocket and he had to like untangle it. And this is like ground level before he before he explodes. <laughs> this is awesome. It might be. Let's uh, find out. I don't know about that, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dave Fowler, for calling. Hope to talk to you soon. Be well. Thanks, Dave. Take care, man. Boys, congrats on the show. Best of luck. Thank you. All right, and without further ado, here is Achilles by Dave Fowler.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Wave Radio Boston. Wave Radio Boston is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We'll stream this show and past ones. Just go to the listen link on our webpage. Don't forget that if you miss the beginning of the show, you can always catch it on our streaming replays. Or if you prefer to do the podcast thing, hit our podcast link, also found on the listen link, or download the Anchor FM app and search for Wave Radio Boston. Yes, that was uh, Dave Fowler Band with Achilles. That was awesome, and it's so funky, man. It's like, like I said, it just gives me a feeling of the Doobie Brothers, man. It's like really well-produced, great guitar, great singing. And Dave Dave was the uh, the lead singer in the band Common Sense List that, that we were in in, uh, in the 90s we played. W- won numerous uh, Bentley uh, Battle of the Bands. Yeah, yeah, and Dave Fowler is one of the, greatest singers in boston history and it's it's too bad that it's taken this long for his voice to get out there but i hope that now that he's on a roll more people will start to hear him uh, because his voice is just absolutely amazing yeah and if you want to be honest like we were listening to that i'm like hey when did dave hire michael mcdonald to sing the song (laughs) like you know he said doobies and i I didn't know it was going to be that doobie yeah that was great good good stuff by dave fowler so uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can call us on the call-in line at 617-829-9283. If you want to text us, and you can text us pictures, um, and any picture will do. <laughs> and we own it when you send it to us, so um, that's, that's part of the gig. So, yeah, we just play it on the, on the, um, on the website if we feel like it and uh, that's your disclaimer right there but if you want to text us and say stuff great 617-764-9283 and our facebook page is wave radio boston rocks you should check us out there and actually uh the first wave pete and john anthony are doing a it's like a march madness for songs for um different uh, decades and so we internally picked um, our favorite 10 songs of the 70s 80s 90s and then the 2000s and afterwards um, and so within the radio station we had like a vote and a poll and we came up with the uh, the seeds so now our listeners can go and vote and it's gonna be a March Madness for these different generations Yeah, unfortunately the wrong Black Sabbath song made the list, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I totally agree Yeah, <laughs> so there's a lot of bands who made made it but the one the song that I picked Was not the right one like I would have I would have wanted war pigs. I want a fairies wear boots. Yes, that's yeah number two yeah, Paranoid. I think Paranoid made it. Of course, it did. Yeah. Yeah, but that's just the. It's, it's a great song, but it's just like a textbook, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not it's, great. It's, you're like, we want to get out of here. Here's a two and a half minute encore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as wear boots, I mean, that's a whole another story, man. Mm-hmm. That is one of the greatest songs ever recorded. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, what else we got? Uh, we told you about our Facebook, and we want you to call in, and I think uh, our main man, Jordan, is going to call in at 8.30. I'm excited about that. Uh, listen to his band and uh, talk about uh, production and the difference between being in a band and a producer. Uh, so I'm excited to have that conversation. 
So let's get on with some more music uh, for debut show. Yeah, debut we bands. have some wildly different songs here, and I'm going to have to uh, explain myself and apologize potentially for one of these, but let's get at it and we'll see how it goes. <laughs>
soul home. Days of heaven, nights of sin. Voodoo stick and sharp spin. When all around you seems like hell. Just one sip will make you well. All home. Multi-purpose in a jar. If you ain't ill, it'll fix your car. In days of yore, for all bad feet, washing socks and stripping ceilings. Nowadays it's used medicinally.
All right, we have some interesting songs. That last segment here, a couple of uh, really groundbreaking artists' first songs. We're gonna work those backwards. Devo. Um, they don't get a lot of credit as being uh, groundbreaking as they as they were, but uh, you know that was the first song on their first album, uh, which was titled uh, "Q Are We Men?" No, Q, are we not men? Are we not men? A, we are Devo. <laughs> but uh, these guys are just great. I mean, I, I think everybody knows them for Whip It, and uh, they get un, unfairly grouped in as a one-hit wonder from the '80s. But they were really, uh, really ahead of their time, and. Uh, you just, you know, from the story of their first album that came out in 78, it was produced by Brian Eno. And Brian Eno is obviously a very well-known, successful producer. He's produced a lot of great albums by uh, excellent bands. Um, but rarely do you see him producing a debut album. And uh, that's what happened with Devo. And what was interesting about it was uh, he wasn't the only big-name producer who was trying to uh, get their hands on this album. Uh, he actually won out as producer versus uh, one of his very close friends and, uh, you know, an other well-known guy named David Bowie who was wanting to produce Devo as well. Uh, they probably made the right choice. Uh, Bowie's obviously a, a genius, um, and he has some Did great, he produce great stuff. a lot of albums? Well, he at that time, I think he only had two under his belt, and they were both from the previous year in 77, uh, both Iggy Pop's uh, first two solo albums. Uh, the Idiot and Lust for Life, which uh, honestly are, are amazing. Um, you know, a lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with Bowie's production, but a lot of it has to do with the songwriting as well. Did he produce anything after that? Uh, that I don't think of Bowie as a producer. No, and I don't know that he did produce much after that. Uh, I'm embarrassed to admit I don't know that as a huge David Bowie fan. I guess you just gave me some homework. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, regardless, Devo is incredible, and uh, they're... They are nominated for induction of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. They're well past the point in which they should have been in. Uh, this year's ceremony is going to be in Ohio, um, and they're from Akron, Ohio, so it really would be perfect. So, uh, oh, that's cool. Three cheers for Devo. Um, going back one song prior to that, we had uh, Big Audio Dynamite. And Big Audio Dynamite, in my opinion, is probably one of the most overlooked and misunderstood groups uh, coming out of the 80s. Um, for those who don't know, this was Mick Jones from The Clash uh, when he was unceremoniously booted from the band uh, for wanting to push things in uh, you know, a little bit more experimental directions. He ended up forming Big Audio Dynamite and their debut album, this, this is Big Audio Dynamite, came out in 1985. And you know, they weren't the first band to use samples. Pro honestly, they were probably the first band to use samples. I think you saw it in hip hop. But even then, we're talking 85. So... What was so interesting about the sampling that they were doing with Big Audio Dynamite is it wasn't necessarily sampling other music. It was sort of sampling soundtracks and not necessarily like music from soundtracks, but actual, uh, actual speaking. And I think you heard it in, uh, in Medicine Show. Uh, it was from the Wild West. Yeah, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of weird stuff. But uh, I can tell you wholeheartedly that Big Audio Dynamite, particularly that first album, This Is Big, Big Audio Dynamite, is probably the high watermark for Mick Jones. Um, and that says a lot, because that guy has had a lot of success and a lot of great music. They had a hit. They had one hit uh, that was on the radio. They did. They had a couple. They had uh, The Globe was uh, from Big Audio Dynamite 2. That was out in 1990, so that was a few years after this. Uh, but the big hit was Rush that I was talking about. Uh, and we'll play that again. We'll play that at some point. Um, it's not a debut, so obviously it's not going to make it here. 
Um, but I'm a huge big audio dynamite fan and for better or for worse, you guys are going to have to hear some of that. Nice. So, uh, that's, that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, Josh, I'll kick it over to you if you want to talk about, uh, the other two artists that we had. So yeah, we were talking about Motley Crue, right? Uh, I mean, Motley Crue is one of my favorite all time bands. I love them. Uh, Nikki six, one of the bands who, where the bass player is kind of like the songwriter, the main guy. Um, and when I heard about that when I was young, I was like, oh, I, I always thought it was lead singers and guitar players doing yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he know? put the band together. He wrote all the songs. Yeah. And I mean, like, you saw all that in, that in the movie The Dirt. Yep. Which was cool to see. But I mean, I think you and I have known for a long time that Nikki yep. Six was really the driving creative force behind that band, which is amazing because you see just how fucked up he was on heroin for a good chunk of that period yeah. and still producing reasonably good stuff and we were just talking on the break about how bad theater of pain sucks yeah and uh but, that yeah. was probably at his peak i mean that's what he overdosed and died during that era mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense that the songs were a little uh not all that good i mean they had yeah. obviously home sweet home was on that album which was great but beyond that the only other hit was i think smoking the boys room which was like a, just a crappy cover yeah. of a song yeah i mean if you look at motley Crue's life and their albums i mean Motley Crue is a great band, right? All the music is good, but I wouldn't you, say all of it's good. <laughs> well, I mean, their sound is good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, so give you that. like, uh, but Theater of Pain is the one where I just would never put that in. I would play Home Sweet Home because I love that song. I would never play but you anything else. Play it anymore because it's in your head. Like it's, yeah. it's burned in and memorized. Like you never have to listen yeah. to Stairway to Heaven again. But you everything know else, everything. like everything else on that album, is horrible. It's trash. Yeah, totally. But. For the first, and, and, the and they will admit it too. Like <laughs> yeah. they hate that album. Yeah, but self-titled, I could listen to that whole album. All, the, the one whole with way John Karabi, that the self-titled one. You, you mean uh, you're talking about Too Fast for Love? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The first yeah, one. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, agreed. That's that's the only one, and honestly, that's the only one that really holds up. Yeah. You know, shout at the devil. I mean, it has some great songs, but. I don't know that I would say the production is dated, but uh, listen to the drums. Listen to Tommy Lee's drums on it, and it sounds like, like they were just like the backing setup. Like they weren't supposed to be the final track. It's like you you listen to it and you're like, isn't he supposed to be coming in doing some fills and shit? Like w w this is the song, right? And it's true. Like there's definitely good songs on Shout Out to Devil, but it it almost sounds like a demo, and it really shouldn't at that point, particularly after following up too fast for love which was such a great album right yep absolutely all right so we have a caller on the line uh this is my my special guest that i've been excited to uh talk to uh this is jordan owens from jordan owens music production or grump dog i'm going to put you on the line right now jordan can you hear me i can all right welcome to harmonic headspace how are you doing Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, having trouble hearing you. Are you on a cell phone? Yeah, I am. Oh, oh we, we got go. you now. Okay, hey, better. Jordan, nice to meet you. This is Astro. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to meet you. So um, tell us about... Uh, for, so the, I'll, I'll uh, tell the audience um, a little bit about what I know. So um, I... Jordan has produced one of my songs for the band Octavate, and um, really excited to premiere that later. Um, so the way I 
first met Jordan, well, first found out about him, was on a website called Sound Better, which is amazing. It, it's, it links musicians to people in the music business, to professionals in the music business, uh, and allows musicians to use their services, whether it's like have a drummer do a drum line or have a guitar player set something up or a lead singer or uh, someone produce or mix and master your stuff. And uh, I was looking at all the producers. They have like dozens of producers and you can go and look at their bios, listen to the stuff uh, they've done because they post um, the, the songs that they produced. And um, when I got to Jordan's, I listened to his and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I think it was actually your band. I, I think it was the dive that I was listening to, which is kind of cool. Um, so I reached out and we connected and uh, long story short, he just finished producing one of Octavate's songs and it freaking kicks ass. Um, so that's, that's how I know uh, Jordan. So Jordan, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you know, how you got into producing and, and the kind of stuff that you're doing. Yeah, so I, I was a musician first. I played bass guitar and electric guitar for years and years now. Um, I was in my old band, Seraphica, and after that broke up, I didn't really have anyone to play music with. And... I kind of got heavily into electronic music, particularly dubstep, like Skrillex, all those kind of guys. And so I started learning how to do that stuff because it was something that I could do. I didn't need other band members. I could just write all my own music and produce all my own music. And that's really how I started getting into production. It was a few years after doing that that I got into recording real instruments and got better at mixing and mastering and all that kind of stuff. Cool. So tell me about your band. So my band, we're called We Brought the Rain. We're, I'm not really sure exactly what genre we are, to be honest. We're, we're some kind of rock. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, the dive, if you listen to the dive, it, it bring, we're going to listen to the dive after this, and it you're absolutely right. There's so many things happening, like whether it's like great harmonies, great solo vocals, great guitars. I mean, it, like, it really does run the gamut, and I, I can't really think of what genre it is either. Yeah, and all of our songs are so different from each other, too. It's like the dive has a lot of electronic influence, and some of our songs aren't like that at all. We have, like our other song, Through the Storm, it's more underproduced and more of almost like a bluesy kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. It's very, I'd say we're very progressive and just genre-bending rock. Who is the other singer? So the female vocalist, the lead singer, that is actually my sister, Jessica Whitlow. She's amazing. But um, the male vocalist, there's sometimes it's me and sometimes it's our guitarist, Spencer. It just depends on what the part is and stuff. The screams in there, the screaming overdubs are usually me. Cool. Um, that, do you say the screaming overdubs are you? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what does Grump Dog Records mean? <laughs> it's 
So, um, it's kind of like an inside joke between me and my sister. Like, me and her husband always tell her that she she's very cat-like in how she acts. I don't even really know what it means, but it's just something we say. And I'm always, like, really cranky, like, really, really cranky when I first wake up. And I used to live with them. And so they would call me Grump Dog. <laughs> and it just kind of stuck as a name for my studio. Does it bug you when I'm like, I'm going to give you another guitar track because the one I gave you before, I, I missed a B on the it's on the third verse. <laughs> does that does that grump you out? <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, like, at the end of the day, it's your song. You're spending money on the song. You make it how you want it. So I don't really care. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I mean, you took Wearing Thin from my demo to something that sounds amazing and I, I can't wait to play it in a little bit um thank any, you anything else uh you want to you want to uh, talk about any cool stories or do you want us to hear the dive um i'm just thankful that you played motley crew before i came on <laughs> because mick mars is my favorite guitarist of all time nice he's he's uh he's very short He's very short, is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> very talented too. Yeah, he he's a shredder, you know. That's that's what I you know, some guitarists are like they're shredders and some are, you know, they'll play the chords and and uh more versatile. I, I would say that he's he's a shredder at heart. Hey, I you love know, it. Any guitarist that can hold down all the guitar parts for for a band uh has my respect. Nice. Cool. All right. So we are going to play the dive. Uh, I'm going to drag this up. And I, I, I know I'm talking about what I'm doing on here. On the, I'm sure I'm still trying to figure this, uh, <laughs> this out. But uh, Jordan, thank you for calling in. It's awesome working with you. I hope we get to work with you more. And I hope you call in more and, uh, and tell us more about, uh, about the industry and about producing. And uh, thanks for calling. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. All right, here is the dive by We Brought the Rain.
gang. It's Pete from the First Wave on Wave Radio Boston. Be sure to check us out every Thursday from 8 to 11 Eastern. What can you expect? Well, to be honest, I don't really know from week to week. Sometimes it's a live band performing an all-electric set in our performance area. Other times it's a cast of characters, new and old. Yes, I'm that Joshua. You bring the world to the brink of nuclear annihilation one time, and they stick your artificial intelligence in a damn refrigerator. One thing's for certain, you'll hear a bunch of people who love great music playing songs from artists classic and breakout, national and local, because great music defies programming. So jump on board and help us say F you to FM on Wave Radio Boston. Headspace is about to blast off. Join me, Prosty, and my co-host Astro for a true cerebral musical journey every Sunday night from 7 to 9. On Harmonic Headspace, I will break down songs from a musical perspective, and Astro will fill your cranium with his vast knowledge of all things Gen X. Local music will also be a huge part of Harmonic Headspace on a weekly basis. Join us. All right, all right. Welcome back. This is Harmonic Headspace, and we have some callers on the line. The next caller, Scotty, I'm going to put you on. Uh, let me see. Can you hear me, Scotty? I can hear you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Scotty. Oh, my God. You're about to hear my wife yelling at my kids to go to bed. Well, I've got to get them to bed, and clearly you're not doing it. Scott, Scotty is... I'm enjoying the show, guys. Nice. Thanks, man. Scotty is the greatest drummer that has ever played in Bentley. <laughs> I would concur. Oh, my God. Now, actually, oh God. Scotty, was, uh, Scotty was the, the um, drummer for the band that Dave Fowler and I were in when we were playing in Boston in the 90s. And uh, he, he requested for us to play the crunch because we used to play the crunch. Isn't that a weird song to cover? That's a great song, and we're going to play it, but not tonight because it is not a debut song. <laughs> and we won't play any Led Zeppelin tonight because they debuted in 69. Uh, that was like a year or two before Prosty was born. Yeah, and, and when we... Right, it sounds like there are some, some rules around how we're doing this. Yeah, there is. There's um, so I didn't like other, this The other thing I wanted to... <laughs> when, when, I know, right? When we the talked other thing to, I wanted to ask you guys about yeah. was... Um, the Beastie Boys and also Tool, because I think those are okay to talk about in this uh, in this time frame. So, and also, uh, shout out Kevin Spector, who I think is listening, who's really the greatest drummer, and Baba Booey to you all. Nice. And Baba Booey to you. Thanks, Scotty. Good to talk to you. Scotty, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Tool, I'm struggling with this one because I don't have their first album here on my phone. It's I called can't. Intolerance, uh, I believe. Yeah, is no that right? Shit, I know. But all I have is Stink Fist, which is from their second album. And right. I don't think we're going to be able to play that tonight. Oh, man. We'll, we'll play Ryman and Stealing. We do have Ryman and Stealing, though. So we'll, we'll, we'll Amazing. Get yourself in a drunken state. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks, guys. Thanks for calling, Scotty. All right. We're going to play Ryman and Stealing after this. Uh, I'm going to take one more call from uh, Mike. Uh, and he wants to talk about some favorite uh, albums from high school on 43. 
Uh, Mike, are you with us? I'm with you. Hey, Mike. Welcome to Harmonic hey Headspace. Hey, Mike. Welcome from Connecticut. Hey, thanks. Uh, actually, from Mass, but uh, oh, you're from Mass. Cool too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I was just curious. You guys, uh, only basing it on the the sound of your voices. Uh, are you? I'd say late thirties, early forties. Thank you. I turned forty six yesterday, but thank you. <laughs> All right then. No, I was. I was just. I was. I was just thinking of like some uh, some of the, the the high school music that I listened to. And one of the when I really got into rock was, uh, you know, I don't know if this is good to say or not, but Skid Skid Row, their album Slave to the Grind really oh, yeah. caught my ear and got me into the uh, into that genre. Yeah, they, so curious, they busted in, you know, man. They busted into that that hair band, and they were they were like the bad boys. They of were hair better. Band. I'm telling you, man. I remember they opened for Bon Jovi in the New Jersey tour, and I didn't see it. I was a little too young, but I was definitely way more into Skid Row, man. Youth Gone Wild, like that debut album was killer. I had that on tape. Right? We're aging ourselves here, but I think you already know I'm 46. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So I like I I think I just missed those albums, but you know, Sleep to the Grind got me into them, and then I went back and started looking at or listening to some of their older older albums and definitely got into them, but you know, so I was just curious, you know, as far as high school goes, like what uh, what albums would you guys point to as, as some of your favorites? So I'm going to go ahead and answer that first because uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Moving Pictures. Uh, now, granted, that came out in 81, and I wasn't in high school until probably 89, 90. But just thinking back to high school, you know, besides you know the 99% of the music I listened to was The Grateful Dead, that other 1% was still pretty pretty varied but i think that was a big one rush was a big high school band for me what about you josh def leppard ah yes so uh <laughs> pyromania was just getting uh, so uh, i think when did pyromania come out like 87 87 okay so yeah that was when i was a freshman in high school that that, that was crazy because that album had like if you look at like the first i had it on tape and you had like Seven of the first eight songs were singles. Yes. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Like, and then, and they followed it up with uh, Hysteria, which I think is a great album, too. Gods of War is one of my I'm favorite. I'm sorry, that's what I'm thinking of. Hysteria is the one that had all those singles. Pyromania probably only had four or five. Well, they had, like, Rock, Rock Till You Drop, Photograph, yeah, yeah, Foolin'. No, I get it. Uh, yeah, they had at least six. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean... And then they followed up with Hysteria, which you're right, also had all yeah. those singles. But so I would say um, the Def Leppard was the band for me in high school. What about you, Mike? Besides Skid Row, who else were you uh, uncovering in those years? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, but uh, I'd have to go with Poison. Yes. You know, I got. I think the first, literally, the first album I ever got was my parents gave me. Uh, Look what the and, cat dragged you know, in. I'm not a music uh, historian, but it was the it was had the tiger eyes on the on the album cover. Yeah, uh, open up and say ah, right. Oh, yeah. Was that the second <laughs> that one? Was in second my one. Easter basket for my parents, and that 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 album was awesome. Now, did but, you uh, get it on yeah, vinyl or did to... you get it on CD, right? Or cassette? No, it was tape. It was cassette. Yeah, yeah. I had those on cassette yeah, too. Cassette, I, tape, I remember there was cassette, a uh, there was a uh, controversy because the album initially the cover had that you know the tiger eyes but it also had like the full face and like a long mouth a long tongue coming out of the mouth of a female and uh that got edited oh boy back then and that's why it was just the the black 
uh, cover with the bar in the center, which was just the eyes. They basically edited the rest of the uh, the album cover because uh, you know those were back back in the day when Walmart and Target would actually have different versions of the album that were cleaned up. I think that was kind of still going on with Tipper Gore and what was it the parents for? Oh what? yeah, Wasp. Wasp. Oh uh, no, no, I'm sorry. That's the, that's uh, the band. Uh, Wasp. No, the Wasp was the band yeah. that she went after. Yeah, you're right. She went after a bunch. It was yeah, nuts. but there was. Uh, they were like the main. No, no, no embarrassment to be a fan of Poison back back in the eighties. No, none at all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> if you were to say no, like no, Fox no, or I'm something, not, like... uh, I'm not. I'm not embarrassed so much. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's just. It's funny how uh, how how far things have come. <laughs> I saw Poison, Tesla, and Def Leppard uh, at the Garden a couple of years ago, and that was a great show. And uh, CC Deville. C.C. DeVille is ridiculous. He's like three feet tall. Yeah, he, he wears these <laughs> shoes that are like one foot tall. And he comes out and like everybody loves him. He comes out and does this crazy solo. Just him, the light shining on him and the microscope shining on him. See, the, di- yeah, the difference <laughs> the telescope is when, when you saw him, he had the one foot heels. He was three feet yes, tall and yeah. he played guitar. Yeah. Back when the day he had the one foot heels, he was three feet tall and another one foot hair on top of it. Oh, that's right. Which he doesn't do anymore. Yeah, he should though. I mean, if you're going out there playing '80s tunes, you might mm. as well get the, uh, you know, get the spray can out. But yeah, and then and then Def Leppard comes out and Phil Collin comes out, like no shirt. HGH. I mean, no shirt. Yeah. He's he's got butter all over his body. Oh, he's God. gleaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> I saw it was, saw them get inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I'm getting inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in New yep. York City, and uh, I was even saying like Phil Collins got to have at least have a shirt on for the ceremony, right? And I think he had like he was shirtless with like a necktie or something, no. like like a Chippendales dancer at age 55. Or Land 60. of Lakes all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever been to the? So it sounds like. Uh, one of you has, but have, have you guys been to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremonies? Yeah, we've actually, I've been to two of them. We're supposed to go to the one this past year to see Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode get in, and uh, it ended up being canceled because of COVID. Uh, but my wife and I are planning on going out. They're going to have, uh, the next one is supposed to be in, they, they rotate every other year. They have it one year in Cleveland and then one year in New York. And they go yep. every other year, but because of the pandemic, they're, they postpone and they're going to have the one for this year in Cleveland, supposedly. So we'll see about that. But yeah, I've seen two so far. You were at one of them, Josh. Right? Yeah, we uh, we took our wives to see Def Leppard and uh, The Cure and Radiohead. Uh, the Zombies. Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson, who didn't perform. That was disappointing. Mm. Stevie Nicks. And right. My favorite from that night, Roxy Music. Yeah. Oh, my God, Roxy Music. But I saw, uh, to answer your question, I saw that uh, the two years before that, where it was Pearl Jam, yes. Uh, was it Biggie who got in, or was it Tupac? I don't know. I, sh- I should know. Um, but yeah, I saw it was it was cool because Getty Lee inducted uh, yes, and because Chris Squire died, you know, a couple years before they were inducted, Getty Lee came out and played bass uh, for the, with them on Roundabout. It was one of the highlights of my music uh, attendance career. It was amazing. That's crazy. That's cool. All right. So, uh, Mike, nice. thank you very much for calling. Uh, call anytime. Uh, be well. Yeah, I'll definitely call next time. Hey, uh, you know, I know it's your first show. It's, uh, sounds great so far, so keep it up. And, uh, yeah, I'll call in next time. Thanks, Thanks a lot, brother. Sounds be good. great. Thanks, Mike. Take care. 
All right, so we are going to play Rhyming and Stealing for, for Scotty. Scotty. And then we'll be back uh, and we'll do a little bit more and we'll close it out. So uh, here's Rhyming and Stealing.
Hey, you're on Harmonic Headspace with Astro and Prosty on Wave Radio Boston. Thanks for tuning in for our inaugural show. Had a lot of fun tonight. I really appreciate uh, all the callers and the texts. Um, You know, let's keep this rolling here. We're uh, about to wrap up, but I'm going to head this over to Josh for uh, another story. And uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, we uh, we have... We have a, a couple of texts that I wanted to read, actually. One is uh, some beautiful woman said, yes, big fan, uh, uh, Astro, I saw Big Audio Dynamite and Public Image Limited at Brandeis She's dating herself. At Venus and Venus de Milo. What's that? So she's dating herself. She's dating herself. Uh, no, she's dating me. She's my <laughs> wife. Yeah, I know she is. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Bren. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, she's she likes good music. That's one of our our um, biggest connections. So, anyways, uh, another text says I spoke with Ozzy on the phone and he was wasted. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, never would have guessed that. Yeah, I I have a funny story. Um, actually, it involves Dave Fowler too. So. Um, when we were in college, I think it was 92 when Pearl Jam released Versus, uh, they were, uh, Nine, 93. Okay. So, uh, they, they released Versus and first it was, there was another name. It was going to be, uh, five against one. Five against one. Right. Yeah. So, um, they were going to do this radio show in Connecticut and they put, uh, it was actually just Eddie. And uh, Dave, if you're still listening, tell me if you remember this. Uh, we got the number for the radio station in Connecticut, and then they canceled for some reason. So Dave and I were so upset because we were ready. We were in like, uh, he was like in the kitchen, and I was in the bedroom, and we both had phones, and we were calling and trying to trying to get Eddie. Um, and th- they canceled, but we're like, let's call anyways. So we called. We're calling the number. Calling the number. And finally, someone picks up, and and Dave's like, uh, "Yeah, we're looking for Eddie." And the guy goes, "This is Eddie," and I was like, "It's him. It was him." And it so was the actual it Eddie. was Eddie Vedder. Get out of here. And so so the guy's like, uh, so Dave's like, "No, we're looking for Eddie Vedder." And he laughed and he was like, "Yeah, this is Eddie." Um, and I can't remember remember what he said like to convince us, but it it was Eddie. His voice, I, I mean, it was Eddie. And uh, so he's like, uh, where are you calling from? And we're like, Boston. And he's like, what do you do in Boston? And we're like, uh, we're students. We're, we go to Bentley College. And he's like, college boy, college boy, playing with your college toys. And Dave and I were like, Eddie Vedder just wrote a song for us. We were so freaking happy. How have I never heard the story before? It's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And so we were just like, well, we just want to thank you for your for your albums and they're they're just like groundbreaking and he's like yeah good all right see you later and hung up but oh my god that was like so yeah eddie vetter wrote a song for me isn't that awesome (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was that was kind of cool um anyways are we wrapping this up i think we're wrapping this up we're over time well uh thank you all for joining harmonic headspace this is the icing on your weekend's cake. This is the time when you're in between the the weekend time and you're decompressing and getting ready to go back to work and think about that kind of stuff. And this is like a crucial period in your week. So it's uh, for me, this is great because it's a time when I can get away, decompress, talk about music, listen to music, and just kind of, you know, 
exist here in this in this space, um, which is good for me. It's, it's healthy for my brain, and I hope that uh, you know you guys kind of feel the same way. Where it's it's that period of time during the week, and you can just kind of get away and listen to some music and and get out of it and get into the harmonic headspace. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's just nice to get out of the house once a week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. All right. So thank you for uh, joining and uh, we will see you the next time. Be good. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in.